If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. This is Everything is Personal with Len May. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Everything is Personal. Yeah. All right, brother. No, no nothing, no sound effect, John. Oh, uh, we got, we got a serious sound effect. I mean, here's my, my bong sound effect. There you go. <laughs> and as always, I didn't even introduce you. As always, everybody knows my <laughs> wonderful co-host, Mr. John Small. Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? But I'm, I'm in the shadow of greatness today. Super, super excited to have uh, Harry Kazarian and... Uh, Kazazian. Yeah. By the way, Kazazian, I just want to I just noticed it because my kid got to my computer. So I just want my, my secret. <laughs> Not Luca. You're Harry Kazazian. My Luca. name is Luca. Luca no. Kazarian. That's Luca. I'm making it for my kid today. It's That's all fine. good. <laughs> Super exciting, man, to have you guys on. Harry, you know, being an immigrant myself, I was born in Lithuania and I immigrated. I was listening to uh, an interview that Shavo did. I think you said you immigrated in 79. I immigrated in 79 as well. Wow. Uh, And uh, came over and I lived in Philadelphia and then moved to LA about uh, 12 years ago. And Lithuania was also part of the Soviet Union and all that stuff. And it's just so amazing to see immigrant success stories. And uh, I wanted to maybe give our audience a little bit of a brief overview of your journey from the Sunset Strip and the Iron Tears and all the stuff that you were <laughs> you were involved in before. I definitely try shovel. to find. <laughs> I try to find some videos on YouTube, man, and see. No, you don't like, want to. You don't want. I, to. I found one. He has long hair. Say, <laughs> I found so one. <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, God, you serious? Oh, yeah, God. we'll play for the audience afterwards so everybody can see. Oh, but, but I wanted to see I'm how serious. how that kind of uh, came about from from those playing days and just, you know, doing it and then going into becoming, you know, a, a successful entrepreneur in, in your previous business or the business you're in now and then where you are today. So maybe you can yeah. give. I'll uh, give a brief one. Uh, brief uh, one. Like you said, you, you teed it up about an immigrant family. You know, I, we moved here when I was personally five years old, so I don't know anything else, but, uh, but I learned work ethics uh, from my parents. My mom worked at a, as a, in a sweatshop, just sewing every day, you know, 12 hour days, six days a week. And my dad was a janitor, uh, cleaning up floors and then painting and doing all that. I remember like as a kid, literally sleeping on the floor. We had one bed, four kids, you know, uh, my parents slept on the floor. I mean, and you know, what's funny as I say this, I'm not saying it for everybody to listen, for anyone to feel sorry for myself. It's actually not. I, I got to tell you, I had a very happy childhood. 
because I was loved and we loved one another. So really, you know, there's an overplay nowadays about materialistic things. And yes, I have the nice house now. I have the Porsche. I have all the nice things that money would buy you. But honestly, it doesn't give me any more happiness than it did when my parents were around and my brother and my family and my kids. We grew up happy. So, you know, I guess they always say you don't know better, but really love overcomes all of that. And that's really it's important about that and community and you know and then uh the good things happen monetarily later in my life but how many people do you know or you heard of that have everything go all the money in the world and fame and whatever but they're miserable oh yeah so a lot a lot money can't buy love but i think a lot of feeling good within and everything else is important and really my connection with shabo was same thing going up i wanted to be in a band and before they were even systems were actually the studio they they came to practice and Sabo and I missed each other but Serge and their band is their oldest uh, member yeah. and I'm not going to give away my age but he's closer to me than I'm than I <laughs> but you're giving away his age right now <laughs> he's a bridge between Shavo and I so you know he auditioned for my band actually really? and uh, tell you the truth is. We kind of had he because he was more in the classical and opera type stuff and music and and we were more like a hair metal band and I remember we got done with the audition because we were telling him play something really deep like Mr. Crowley from back then that's what was in you know from uh give me something deep you know like Ozzy and whatever and then he would play something really beautiful and then when we were done we're like that guy ain't never gonna make it. So it's funny. <laughs> good, good judge of talent, it. right? We didn't make well, it. He made. Well, well so. he, he was trying out as a keyboard guy, not as a singer. Yeah, uh, yeah he was. He wasn't singer. Well, you were right then. You're probably right. Yeah, he never Way made it. As a, but he plays keys on stage too once in a while, so I can't say that. Right. But it just goes to show you, you know, when you go full circle, how things work out. You know, it's just at that point in life, we just, you know, music, I guess. Uh, was something I had a passion for in the arts. I've always loved it growing up. I, you know, but it's funny, you don't play music for the money. You do, most musicians don't make money playing music. Shabo knows that. And most of your life as a come up musician, you better love it. And everybody goes, So, what'd you do the music for? I'm like, The chicks, man, all the chicks. Exactly. Back then, all the guys were getting the chicks for the hair band. They're like, Why'd you get into it? I said, I got into it like everybody does when they're 16 because they want to pick up chicks. So, Anyway, so that's where it leads to it, and you know. So were you, uh, Shavo, were you a you, fan? Were you a fan of, uh, of Floatsum and Jetsum because uh, you call did you call your band Iron Tears because they had a, this crazy speed metal song called Iron Tears? You know, no, I, I wasn't. It was just you know we were just four guys. Three of them were drunk. We were all. I think if you talk about every band, how they come up with their name, it's usually at a moment where everybody's either intoxicated or. Just someone has a brain fart or whatever. Right. But it goes forward. Shabo, I don't know how you guys came up with your band's name, but I think it's pretty much like someone sits around and there's a process. Like well, ours, was a, ours was a, from a poem Darren wrote that was called Victims of a Down. Uh, I didn't like victims. I didn't want to be a victim. I, I, I was right. like, if we ever get big, people are going to yell victim instead of, you know, like that's, <laughs> I don't want to be yelled, you know, because it's a long name. And at the time, there was bands like Corn and Deftones, and it was like not long. The only name I knew long was like Rage Against the Machine, which was kind of cool. Right. So when he came back, he's like, okay, I get it. 
system is fully encompassing the victims. Like the victims are a part of the system. So system right. is bigger. And if someone yells system, it's kind of cool because there's no like weak way of saying the word system. It's like stressed S I, you know, S Y S S, you know, you can't, you can't be like, sis, you know, you can't, you're going to yell it with, so that was a big thing. More that was a, so yeah, so it made sense after a while, but then we had to explain to everyone and their mother the, <laughs> the way, because like the first marquee we were, um, it was at the Roxy. I couldn't wait, you know, like we showed up there early for sound check and noon, you know, waiting for the doors to open. I look up at the marquee, couldn't wait, take pictures, my camera's ready, my disposable. And it said, system of the dawn. Oh man. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Get up here. You, you guys climb up and change that? Yeah, bro. We have pictures of getting a boost at the Roxy and changing shit around to oh, that's out to the yeah, AF, that's you know, awesome. system of the, the, the T went out, you know. So um that's no cool. O until the people arrived to put the O up there. But yeah, bro. Um and then the second show we were Sistema of Down. That was fucking hilarious. That was at the closer. Week. But we've been through so many different ones. Trying to explain our Spanish version of the Yeah, yeah sure. It was like the guys, you know, sistema, you know. So that's hilarious. That's so funny. You got into manufacturing, clothing manufacturing, and then yeah, was, bags. Was, yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, there's a there's a reflection. Every there's everybody in their life comes through. I mean, I was just milking the college thing till I had to graduate. After six, seven years of college, you got, your parents are like, hey, what's going on? You know, so so I remember I got out. Uh, my uncle, which barely could speak, again, another immigrant, barely could right. speak English, had a military car. He's one of those that wherever you drop him in the world, they sprout out. You know what right, I mean? And right, right. So he called me and goes, hey, I got all these contracts. I don't, I can't, barely speaks English. And he says, can you come and, you know, for the government military contract can you come in you know you graduated college so you know everything and i'm like <laughs> you don't know I'm it took a, me eight I'm years a, to graduate but I'm yeah a, i am the epitome of a c student if i ever got a b i have to really reflect what did i do wrong in that class because i must have spent too much time studying because it was just about i always had this thing like you know what when you get a diploma it doesn't say what your gpa was it just means you got your diploma so i used to say exactly. if i just a C is okay. You know, it's not like below average. It's just, it's okay. So, you know, I won't tell this to my kids growing up because I'm like, get A's. Do this. But, uh, but there's a lot of things I, you know, I wouldn't want my kids to do that I did. So let's right. leave it at that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, so then, you know, I went to my uncle's and I started working for him and helping him out. And next thing I knew, I learned manufacturing and mm -hmm. uh, I've always been hustling and I've always known business. And uh, I didn't want to work for him. And I always told him, look, I'll come and help you. But, you know, I'll start my own thing eventually. And basically, I started a little manufacturing shop in downtown L.A. Uh, I still know the address. 4481 Santa Fe. It's right there in downtown. Mm -hmm. uh, started a little factory, started hiring employees. And and I was still playing locally in the band because I was sure we're going to make it. Right. Now I'm just keeping music, this thing. But it's costing me money because you pay to play almost, you know, right. marketing and studios and all that. I mean, the band cost me money. And then and the drummer and the and our bass player were really good and the singer, but they were broke. So they would always hit us up for 20 bucks to eat food. And it was I mean, it was literally starving band. But me, and my partner, Armin, were the only ones making money. So it was costly to keep the band together. But as Shavo knows, someone usually has to be the glue of the band. Right. And uh, Shavo played that role in his band. And. That was my role in mine. And, you know, then I had to leave music, which was sad, but moved to Texas and, and I built a business empire, you know, uh, whatever. But I will say that 
still connected with the boys. They still kept right. track of what's going on in the music scene. And that's when uh, I heard Serge was going to become a singer of some band. I didn't even know your first name, Shav. I was getting, I wasn't even getting System of a Down right, you know? Yeah, you were the Sistema of Down. You were yeah, Sistema of Down. I got back because I was in Mexico, literally on the border. You, yeah. exactly. Well, I got to tell you, I went back to L.A. Someone says, hey, they're playing, you know, Serge is playing. And Serge at that time was singing. I'm like, Serge is singing? Because I, are you sure? Like, you know, I haven't heard him sing ever. And I was like scratching my head but i go yeah i'll go to the show so first time i saw them play it was either troubadour or roxy i don't remember which one shop like i walked out and i was like i couldn't make up my mind if i loved them or if i wasn't sure what i just saw like shala knows it's like it, it was just the same feeling i had when i ate sushi for the first time mm. i couldn't figure <laughs> that's, out. Good. that's a yeah, great I analogy I figure out what like whether i really liked it or is this you know but but i knew it was different than what i'm used to eating which is italian and this and that and it wasn't until like the second show whatever and i can i remember i came out i said you know what this is the new this is it this is the new thing it just took me just like it was with sushi first time i didn't right. like it but by the third time i'm like that's my favorite food you know? right right so, that's a great analogy once man. you got the taste for it and you start loving things and i got to tell you uh and I give the guys prop. And, and, uh, and I met Shavo, obviously, through uh, Serge then. They were, they were going to England. And I was living my vicariously through them because right. they're doing what I always wanted to do. Playing you come on tour with them. Yeah, I went on tour with them yeah. in Europe. Yeah. And I would pick the good trips, Amsterdam, Europe, everything mm -hmm. else. I kind of get my arts and music through, you know, watching the boys have success, you know, from when they were an opening band to when they were headlining. So right. I've come full circle with the guys just from the outside. And I'll tell you, I still get goosebumps when they're playing. Like I remember Chavo, you guys played Rio for a hundred thousand, 200,000. I don't know how many it was. It was 225. Yeah, it was great. And they were singing the songs and it's in Brazil. Louder than us. It, it was louder than us. You couldn't even hear yourself. Talk for a second. We had to stop for a second. I remember we stopped playing because it was so loud. hundred, two hundred thousand people singing. I look at wow. you now, look. Wow. Just because Amazing. it's powerful, bro. People are powerful. <clears throat> you know, people, the energy people get together. So when it's, well, it's an exchange of energy, right? Like, so they're giving you energy back. You're taking that energy back. You oh. back. It's a revolving kind of circle, right? Yes. That, that, that's my favorite thing about being on stage. But like what he's saying is when they sang like that, you know, it was like, he, we probably yeah, I'm really, I know Shavo got goosebumps. I got goosebumps on stage looking into the crowd wow. uh, myself. And then I'm thinking like, and these efforts get paid to do this like i would pay to be up there and they're getting i mean i didn't say it in a bad way Shafa knows it but you know it just shows that uh, what success they've done so in a weird way being full circle with them i feel like like i lived the journey with them yeah. uh, just from the outside but uh and the boys and Shavo and i connected we went to armenia together you know uh the boys were on a visit we both from the same we both born in armenia and yeah so we started connecting and it's amazing how much stuff you have in common, both culturally. So it was an easy connect. And, we, right. you know, we bonded and been really close. And, you know, Shavo and John, forget music, forget business. Yeah. Their families were in my life. My, my, my son, Luca, which is the one here, yeah. is Shavo's best friend. His best friend is Shavo's kid. They go in the same kindergarten together. That's yeah, they're in the same class. In the same class. Every time I walk in my house, they're not, on, they're not playing video games on the computer and I could hear them talking to each other. 
So I could hear Shabo in the backyard background yelling at his kid, and I could get out the, the no more face <laughs> I want to get into a twenty-two right because I want to get into talking about what you guys did. But I have a couple of questions for Shabo if you don't, if you don't mind, just appease me because uh, John and I are huge music guys. So this is really really exciting and, and interesting for us. You started as a guitar player, right, Shabo? You right. play guitar, correct? Right? And then, um, and you pick, picked up the bass out of like necessity. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I've said the story before, but I'll say it real quick. I've wanted a guitar ever since I discovered Kiss that you're yeah. wearing your shirt. It was like five years old. Yeah. And I wanted to play something. And I've always asked my parents, please, please, you know, I'd bang on pots and pans. I'd, I'd set up pots and pans in, in like a corner of the living room and I'd be banging around listening to music. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't buy me anything musical. Uh, they were, I think it was like the old immigrant fear of the starving musician right exactly so, starving artist so they were like nah you know you uh, you're gonna follow that we know your personality you know because it was like i'm gung-ho you know I'm, I'm like harry i'm like you know like i like something i'm gonna go full blast and if, if i start collecting something forget it i'm not gonna i'm gonna own everything of that you know so i was like that i went full force and then at like 12 i think it was my grandma my dad's mom uh, god rest her soul she snuck a guitar to me she went and uh nice we i told her what and we went to with my uncle uh my dad's brother we went to um guitar center somewhere yeah and i got a kramer xl too and uh, you know we got it home and my parents didn't know and then they found out i'm playing the guitar with a little amplifier and i just kind of taught myself bro i just kind of went i started forming bands at like 16 17 and i just couldn't find a bass player that played meat and potatoes it was either a person just picked up the instrument and was figuring out how to play a scale or try to figure out how to keep a tempo going uh, right. rhythm going or it was someone already like they're like they have this like guitar um ego thing where it's like they have to compete with the guitarist so they were just trying to be virtuoso like like a less claypool but less claypool yeah. don't try to be less claypool right right right, right. so i always saw, thought the bass and the drums should be like together like zeppelin like a sabbath yeah. like something where you know i i come from that world and then i think the meat and potato so the meat and potatoes are the bass and the drums and i think vocals and guitar would be like salt and pepper to the yeah. meal and then, yeah. and uh, no one's out that way. So I was like, fuck, let me get a bass and see what I do. I'm gonna do the bass. And yeah. so I traded in my Randall half stack for an Ibanez sound gear. And I just started from there. And I bought a PV bass amp from a uh, recycler back then. It was like the, it, right. it was like, you know, like the Craigslist of back yeah, then. Magazine. Um, yeah, physical magazine. And that's when it all started, bro. And I was in two bands. I was just, you know, I'm always like bouncing around and I was in a studio, the studio he's talking about, that they yeah. were in one of the complexes. It was right here in Burbank. It's now a piano store. But um, it was called Nightingale Studios. And uh, I was rehearsing with my band, Roswell. And I had another friend's group rehearsing there, Dave. And then I had another, and then them, Harry yeah. and stuff, were rehearsing downstairs. And then Darren walked in to try out for my other friend's band. And I, I was there. Afterwards, they asked me, what's the, like, what was the what do you think? You know, I was like, dude, that's the guy. Get him. Yeah. So they got him. They didn't work out. He formed a band with Serge, Darren, yeah. Soil. I managed. It's like a long story, but that's, you know, kind of like it, it, it all happened at that studio. Uh, and then when their band was, I guess, I was managing Soil after like a couple of months of me doing that. They, they only had like five, six songs. Um, the bass player left and they asked me to be the bass player. And I was, I was tripping like, I just started playing like a year or two ago, bro. Like bass. Yeah. And you're like, nah, it's all about the vibe and your mentality and how you do it, you know? Yeah. You got it. You're a groover. You can do anything we need to be done and just grow from there. So the rest That's, is just 
it's amazing how things just happen. Like uh, wow. the universe, if you're open to it, it kind of yeah, gives you those. Uh, I kind of conformed, but it wasn't conforming because I had to. It was right. like, I'm just op- like you said, I opened myself to like something new that might, and it became the thing, you know, and I still play guitar. Like my new group, North Kingsley, I'm all over the guitar on that. Cause it's okay. like, I still have that guitar player mind. Uh, I, I wrote the riffs on toxicity on the guitar, not the bass. Oh, okay. And I brought it in, and then we arranged it to be what it is. But it was right. all written on the guitar, including like "Sugar" was written on the guitar. It, you know, it's a, there's a bass line. The, the bass line became the main part. But right. you know, what I'm saying so. My mind still plays as a guitar player, but I also, or I write like a guitar player, but I play like a bass player. So Rick Rubin saw you. Was it the Viper? He came out and he said, "You guys are the next thing." And well, no, it, it was like we were, happened? we were playing for a while, right? And we okay. were selling everywhere out. Show, right. show, and I was booking it. I was managing, so I was doing two shows a month, one and a half, like you know, one show every three, four, you know, three weeks. So it was like kind of becoming like that, just hitting yeah. all the clubs possible from the anti clubs to the Truger to the Whiskey to the Roxy to somewhere in North Hollywood or somewhere in the Valley to back. Right. All these people were coming, Universal was coming, um, uh, Roadrunner, a bunch of right, people, right. and all the bands that we were playing with were getting signed fast, like boom, they're gone. Okay, there's this band just came after us, but they got signed. They, they can't draw, but they're getting signed. Um, we, we were that oddball band that no one knew what to do with. So they were all watching us going, dude, they're killing it. They got like every show sold out. The energy is there, but we don't know what to do with them because they don't sound like this band. They don't sound like right. that band. So how do we market them? I think that's what it was. So I hired a manager in 97. It was right. Bino. I got Bino, who's still our manager. He also manages North Kingsley now, and he's one of our friends now. It's like it's been 20 mm-hmm. some years, right? We brought him in, and one of his friends was Guy Osiri, the owner of Maverick. Right, right. And he was like, this is badass. And he came a few times, and we had that Viper Room show coming. And he's like, I have someone that want, that should be hearing this. And they said, they're going to bring Rick Rubin. And the funniest part is that this, the most ironic thing is, right, we were in this little studio on Lancashire, actually like yeah. a warehouse studio. And we finished, like, our, like, Darren brought the first song, and it was called Flake. Mm-hmm. That never made that day. But right. we played it. And once we played it complete, and, and we took a break, we played like eight times together, and then we took a break, and I went in and whispered in his ear, I go, dude, this shit is crazy. I go, you know who would love this shit? This is in 94, 95. I said, Rick Rubin would dig this shit. I swear to God, I said this to him. Wow. He, goes, man. he goes, don't get ahead of yourself. You know what I mean, Rick Rubin? I'm like, dude, look, man, we're, we have all these new elements and shit. Like, he does that. Like, he did right. the Public Enemy, the Beastie Boys, the Slayer, right? I'm like, fuck, that could be like, yeah. and that was it. Enough said. Now, fast forward to 97, Viper Room, Rick Rubin. So, they, and then it was like, I can remember this like it was yesterday. They, it's a small stage, small club. So you can see everyone from yeah. the curtains are closed. And, and they're like, you got to stall. I'm like, what stall? We're on stage, ready to go. The crowd's screaming, yelling. It's hot, sweaty, it's humid. Like, I swear, there was like water dripping off the walls back then. <laughs> Overpacked, two-packed, you know, like yeah. a double capacity. Finally, Rick walks in, they go start. So the curtains open. And I see that, you know, Rick, right? The hair, the body, the beard, the beard the yeah. silhouette. And he's like, I'm playing. And he's like, and I'm just watching him. I don't, no one else existed that moment. <laughs> wow. It was like, I was like, there's fucking Rick Root. I'm remembering what I said, you know? And um, yeah, bro, after the show, and there was also those people from Universal there, from and no one had put an offer out yet. They were all coming to every show, all these A&R people, but never putting an offer out. Rick, after the show, we were packing up 
And then uh, Bino, our manager, comes and goes, hey, Rick wants to talk to you guys. I'm like, oh, shit. So we go outside on Sunset, right there yeah. where Sunset, there, the liquor yeah. store. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, do what? He's like, I want you guys, like, right there. First time, first view, first listen. It wasn't like, oh, let me marinate on you guys. Let me, right. let me watch the next 10 of your shows, you know? He was just like, I want this. We're going. That's and a we great were, story. Boy, man. Badass, man. The next day, all those other labels had offers. And because like, Rick, Rick's going to take then it became a bidding war. Right. So that's when it became crazy, you know? So it's such an awesome story how the universe happens. I, I have like so many questions, but I just wanted for the sake of time and, and your time, I want to uh, respect that. I want to talk a little bit about 22 Red and how you guys kind of got together. What What are you doing now? Uh, maybe you can give a little bit of flavor. I'll let Shabu tee up because he, he's the founder of 22 Red. I'll start it and then I'll. I'll pass it on to Harry. How's that? Cool. So it started about three years ago. His Harry's nephew is one of my best friends in, in the world. He's probably my oldest friend. Our dads used to be friends. And uh, so we've always been friends throughout our life. And we've always wanted to do something together. But our alignment never happened when it came to business or anything. So we're playing poker with the friends, and uh, which we always did since we were in high school. And there was like, you, we should do something finally, you know? I got time on my hands. So we we're going to do the brand. We're like, let's do a brand because he, he does a, a clothing for a brand. You know, he'll like do everything from A to Z. Design, make, in the back, he has a warehouse in Hollywood that they do it actually, manufacturing plant. Long story short, we're like going to do this brand and uh, it was going to be a lifestyle brand with quality mm-hmm. goods, everything quality, but we, were, we can put the name on a lighter and like sell it and we can put the name on a piece of glass and sell it. It was just like going to be like a Supreme style vibe. That's what we did, but it was all high quality, not just printing and going. Right. Then we we had this friend, Sean, who um, I knew was a grower, but I didn't know at what capacity at all. I had no clue. And, you know, mm-hmm. for a long time, I've been smoking and been a connoisseur for over 20 something years. So everyone would come to me. You know, Cali was always legal, like got legal early in 06, right. 07. And so everyone, you should have a brand, you should have a, a weed strain, you know, right. shop OG and all this great. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'll smoke. You guys do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, so... Sean wanted us to see his spot. And my friend, Mike, Harry's nephew was like, let's go. Maybe we can also include some cannabis. I'm like, dude, that's kind of like, now we got to go get licensed and blah, blah, blah. But we still went, man, I saw this guy's spot. And I was like, I knew it's like, you know, when you know something, you're like, yeah. you're, you're, you, you do a full like 180 going, oh, I get it. Like I can rep this. It was so clean. You can eat off the floor. Like no joke. It was like beautiful plants, beautiful. And I know, cause I've been, around it for so long i mean i've been in amsterdam uh, during harvest tasting you know yeah back in the day when amsterdam was amsterdam of weed you know it was a no-brainer let's like let's have an all-encompassing brand that also has cannabis you know so we trip you know triple partnered you know three Mm -hmm. of us equal and we went ahead with it and we just started bro i just started it was all passion and grind hard work and we just pulled in all the resources the three of us had and did what we did you know one of the things that uh, separated us from other brands was there was me and I was hands-on I'm so hands-on until today and, and I'll be hands-on tomorrow and next year and the year after that and I would go to dispensaries and I would do sightings and stuff so we were at cookies on Melrose there was they had just opened right they did a 22 red collab so um I'm signing autographs there was a line out the door around the corner and uh, Harry walks in and I know Harry from like he's my friend's uncle he's my friend uh, but right, he's right. that like successful businessman that I look up to, but he's right. also a friend. He's like, you see how friendly he is. You know what I mean? But he's like, we used to, I used to DJ at his house without him knowing he had this house in the Hollywood Hills <laughs> back in the day. We'd throw New Year's <laughs> Eve parties when he wasn't there. One time I he came home, he was like, 
New Year's Day, we're still laid out on the floor drunk. You know, like so he's like, what's going on in my house? So that's Harry. Yeah. But I always looked up to him and, and his business skills and his whole grind was like really appealing to me. Right. And he came in. I'm noticing, and you know, we did need that for us. We were missing the three of us were all passion, creative, had our own things going on, but we needed that business guy. We needed the guy to come in and be like, yo, listen, you're doing all this great, but we got to do it this way because this is the right way. And this is not going to be just a weed game. This is going to be a, a full encompassing business, a full encompassing company. That's going to be a brand. So one thing led to another, we spoke and he's like, if you let me take the reins, I'm in. Beautiful. Harry, what did you, what did you do? What did you see? And how did you change the, you know, it wasn't, I didn't want to change much because it's the same thing. I'm sure, you know, Rick Rubin did when he signed the ingredients were there. It's just sometimes like how much to put of what in was what my role was, you know, being from the business world. I mean, you know, you build a company, my, and for me, it's a combination. I love the challenge and I love working with people. I want to see Shavo. I want to see this be extremely successful. And what I wanted to do was where I aligned with what Shavo was trying to do is I want to create a lifestyle brand that's it's more than just about a product. It's about what it really means. And that's why we have to step back and really think about it. And really what we're about is the arts and providing products for artists. Right. Uh, people that like art and really so they'd all really sometimes we don't even and I want cannabis to be one part of it it's not yeah. only about cannabis and I know that cannabis is a big part of it I'm not downplaying it but music right. Shavo talks about and everything else so so when we came back in we were talking about it wasn't a race to make a lot of money quickly it was just like in order for this to be successful we agreed we just have to let it have its own pace and breathe yeah. And really, that's where we've gone about it, where I've known so many companies since we've started have gone out of business or they don't make money or they lose money. They raise. I know so many people that got into cannabis that have lost their behinds. Oh, yeah. Because everybody races in thinking they're running in for gold. And I was like, look, guys, if we go just let it let it ferment, let it naturally take place. Uh, we're going to be successful. And, and, and so what I saw it is successful people like Shavo, my nephew does great. Sean yeah. is one of the best growers that we, in the world, I would right. put him up against anybody. So I felt like here's successful people. So I don't really have to do much. Just kind of keep the pieces, just keep the guardrails and keep right. the process moving forward. So it's, I, I try to just play that role versus like dictating. I never tell Shavo what strains we're going to put in our, what flower to put, right. how to do the market and all that. I mean, that's their role. I just stay focused in what I'm good at. And I think that's why we get along great. Like I don't get in his lane. Shavo lets me do what I do well. And, you know, we all know that. And, and the end result is, I have is already showing huge success where yeah. we get calls from so many states to open up 22 red. But again, we want to find people that are like-minded than right. we are. That's what it's it easy to go and like climb, you know what I mean? There's yeah. all these states opening up and everybody's requesting brands. They need brands in their state. Right. Mom and pops everywhere. So, um, yeah, but I, he's taking his time with it. We're taking our time with it, making sure we're established in the states we're already in before right. we go and spread ourselves so thin and be in 20 states but can't. I'd, I'd love to see an endo DNA test, a 22 red version of that. that, that that's our DNA test for cannabis. Yeah, uh, my company does. I'm so really it, interested in what that is. Yeah, it would, be, it would be really cool to do that. And also to be able to see what which 22 red 
cultivars or chemovars match your guys' personal. I'm just I'm just thinking out loud. That could be a really interesting that thing. Be, that would be and really I, interesting. And I know you and I talked about it when we yeah. had our conversation where more it's been other forms of entertainment for me and marijuana always put me to sleep when I was when <laughs> all my friends were smoking and I'm like I don't really don't want it to bring me down. Like I'd yeah. rather I'd rather drink or or partake in other forms of entertainment. Yeah versus smoking so it's not like i'm again obviously i still once in a while my friends are smoking i'll take a hit yeah. but it always put me to sleep and i think you said well let's maybe you're smoking the wrong stuff so well we're yeah. gonna do it harry it's it's cannabis is personal right and and i don't want to go off on a tangent i still want to uh respect your time and i, I have a couple of questions that i want to ask you guys because you have a hard stop too but i, I just want to say it's a personal experience you can have two people exactly the same symptomatic conditions, everything. They can consume the same uh, cannabis and have a completely different experience. I know yeah. this. I know this. Yeah. And that's like the thing. We're, Sean, having... for example, Sean smokes the OG and he's lit like he smoked Jack Hair. And I'll smoke an OG and I want to sit around and kind of chill and like think about things, you know? Like, mm, <laughs> exactly. difference in that. And I know that. I know it's, it's just I'm using two examples, but there's yep. so much more. Perfect example. Segway is perfect time. We ask our guests three questions Basically, so I don't know if you guys want to take turns answering or maybe uh, well, yeah. the question you we'll can answer. The Depends question. on the question. We'll All right, let's see. Answer. Let's see. All right. So the first question is, I'd like to have both of you answer it, actually, if you could. The first question is, please describe your first experience with cannabis. All right. Mine's easy. I've said it before. It was a Guns N' Roses and Metallica show with Motorhead at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. And I was there and I hadn't smoked weed ever. I mean, I've had cannabis around me, so maybe it wasn't my experience, first experience with it. Because when I was a kid, there was these, like, I'd hang out with older kids in Hollywood and there was stoners, heshers. They would smoke and blow it at me, but I would never get high. And I was always like, right. I'm a skater and I've heard <laughs> this is really bad, you know. But at, at that concert, I was kind of feeling like, you know, little, you know, I've always been kind of the one going that way you know yeah yeah and uh all my friends sober and they were smoking with the row in front of me and i was like hey pass that and everyone looked at me like sean's crazy you know he's about to go crazy he's gonna lose his mind <laughs> so they and i was like no one's gonna pass that to me who am i boom here it is yeah. this like little pinner like yeah. stinky i'm talking there was probably two seeds in that joint uh that I, that's how i smelled it everyone looked at me and i grabbed it and i Passed it on, felt nothing. Or maybe I did, but I didn't know because, you know, when you think it's going to be like cocaine or heroin, right. uh, it doesn't have any effect, right? You're like, That's, I, felt, I felt nothing, but that was it. That was my first time with it. And um, yeah, I didn't smoke after that right away, but, you know, gradually friends, because I did that, it didn't seem so crazy. So right. it was easier to do it again afterwards. It was, it was a positive experience. Yeah, I would say mine was easy. Black Sabbath concert at the Forum. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Yes. I was in high school and we went and one of my friends smokes regularly and, you know, we were drinking and, you know, we had to sneak booze in where, you know, we're in high school, you know, you sneak in the little bottles, you put it in the, in your jacket or whatever, but, uh, you know, they didn't do as much searching as they do today. Mm -hmm. I was looking for weapons back yeah. then, but so a little bit of booze and got high with my friends. So I was my first experience. And you Again, probably I fell asleep. Yeah, I was going to say, you fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Even Ozzy couldn't wake you up, man. Right. Well, that was it. Well, that was my <laughs> first <experience. laughs> uh, That's funny. All right. So this was a, this is a question we ask. Uh, John and I are, are big music guys, obviously. You know, you guys are as well. Is there a go-to album or a song or anything that, that is like one you consume or just uh, to kind of 
uh, get your mind off things? Is there anything that you go to that you listen to? For me, things, they're always changing, bro. Fully evolving. I don't have one thing. Like there was a period where I needed to listen to all Wu-Tang and nothing but Wu-Tang. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you get into Wu-Tang, you... And you really get into Wu Tang when you like when I'm talking about where you start. Yeah. Individual member. You're in the 36 chambers, man. That's it. You can get out. It starts with 36, and then you're just like, fuck, there's hundreds. (laughs) Exactly. Each member has four or five albums of their own. There's five of their albums, six of their out. You know, it's just like you go in deep, start. I used to print music out, like their lyrics out, and Mm. just study it and get high and study. So that was a time, uh, it was a time I listened to a lot of techno shit, like when it came out in the 90s, where it was kind of, becoming a thing i went to some raves back then you know experimented with some shit back then and uh i'd get high and listen to that electro music you know so yeah. there was i've been through phases you know everything you know there's also that whole 70s vibe that i love also yeah. hitting, you know hendrix and joplin uh janice yeah, yeah all, all, all of the above music is music you know for sure mine would be easy because it's for you know when coming up I, I i don't know what it is the one album that always gets me uh, and I was talking with Darren about this last time we got together. And I remember Queensryche op- Operation Operated Minecraft. That's my go-to album when I just feel like I just need that energy. Because if you listen to that one, it's 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 an album. Because not too many albums you can listen to the whole album. There's always that one song. Beat yep. You want to fast forward? Yeah. I just listen to that whole album. I like the way it flows and the energy it gives, and it's not too downing, but it's yet with a little bit of a drive. And uh, and that's my uh, my go-to. The old Queens Rock before they yep. became, before they did all the glam. Before Sound Lucidity. Before M- Empire. Yeah, before oh, they yeah. did all that. Exactly. Oh, what happened? I like Empire band. too. I do like it's Empire. A great album too, but it's a different, it's a different vibe. You want to hear something funny with that? You know yeah. uh, that Sound Lucidity? Yeah, Sound Lucidity, of course. That sounds like spiders, I thought. <laughs> when you were high. Spiders, I was like, <laughs> no, when I'm high. I always think they're playing spiders, and I'm like, Did we have a style? <laughs> that's hilarious. Jack, these guys say without knowing. <laughs> mum's the word. Mum's the word. That's great, man. What has cannabis meant in your life? Chavo, I'll let you take that one first, and I'll come. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I, I don't know. Um, okay, the time where system began, Darren and I got really close because we were like the ones kind of like pushing pushing the envelope, the rest had work and jobs and stuff. So we were kind of like doing it ourselves. Um, so we get high a lot. So that was when it was like, we would, we would marinate and talk and like get high before we even had a drummer or system. It was the three of us and right. so it worked and we would, Darren would pick me up every day at same time, five, 6 PM, 7 PM. We drive down to Alvarado, pick up a dime sack or a nickel sack. That's all we can right. afford maybe a 22 and a 40 for him, a 22 for me, 22. And yeah. uh, 20, 20 or 22 is the, the bottles, the beer bottles. Were they 20s or 22 ounces? 20 or 20. We'll say 22 because it goes with the brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's do 22. We're changing them up. Harry, exactly. new plan, 22 bo- uh, ounce <laughs> exactly. bottles um, of, of, of hemp water. Um, there you go. So, yeah, and we just go and just smoke and talk and play and just – this is how it's going to be. What if we did this? What if the mas- mascot was this? Cause we're from the Iron Maiden days. There's like, we wanted a mascot in the beginning. We wanted that. We never ended up getting that logo. We always had like, we changed it up, but it was always that. So we just brainstormed. So cannabis was like kind of like a friend thing. It It's right. also a bonding thing with people, you know, when you like, when you meet another smoker who's like casual with it, there's, there's always that connection that, you yeah. know, in 
everything else can come around that, but like, that's how you talk. And that's one thing about this uh, new era where I do miss uh, smoking joints and passing it and all that stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, me too. It's definitely connected. We talked about in the show before, anywhere in the world that I've ever traveled, you find that person, you smoke a joint with them. It's your friend for life. It's a bro. That's it. Yeah. Another thing cannabis does is, um, it sometimes stems my creativity to another level when I think I'm not creative, when something I'm blocked in the studio, like recently, I'll just get really stoned and just kind of like play without, mm. without thinking and things will happen and shit will get know, out of your head. Come out. The yeah, problem with me is I do that, but then I go back and look at it and it's terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> not you. That happens too, bro. <laughs> you know, by the way, that that that's my experience. So that's that <laughs> It seems to work for Shiloh, but. Yeah, it's worked. It doesn't yes. work always, but it has. It depends on the cannabis, right? Yes, it depends. It really does. If I'm smoking like a sativa hype, you know, right. document, I'll be more alert and know what's going on um, when I'm just kind of like in there. Well, in my case, it's not going to be as personal as Chavo's because I know where it's at. For me, it's again, I'll speak it on the business side. Mm-hmm. When Chavo came to me, I really felt this is a new frontier. I'm very open minded. Obviously, I'm not against smoking or anything else it's i wouldn't do something i'm against but i i really feel it's a challenge for me uh creating a great brand and mirroring it to shavo's passion and everything else so i look at it as like a challenge like could i start something again from the beginning and become one of the best cannabis brands or lifestyle brands in this country And, and i really believe that's what it's it's my personal experience with it right now is it's really uplifting where I just love being around the people I'm around. That's the good thing. I mean, I've I've been in those meetings with the business suits. I could play that game. I'm the guy that goes to work every day with a t-shirt and the jeans and shorts and anyone, Hey, you're running a $200 million company wearing that, but I go the way I feel, you know? And, uh, and so I really love that part of it. So I'm, I'm blessed that Chavo and Mike and Sean believed in me to give me an opportunity to, to take what Chavo's and their dream is and uh, make it successful monetarily because Chavo, you could have been successful musically. You get the double trifecta of like getting to do what you love and make money. And make money. That's I guess I'm playing the business manager role for Chavo. Okay. You get to, you're still going to have love doing this, but let's make money doing it. That's my, he tells me, Slow down sometimes, because my ideas like let's do this and that and this and that. I was a thousand ideas every morning, and I'm like, me we too, gotta, man. We got to go filter it down to a single one. You know, I need to so find me a Harry too, man. I need that for my yeah. business too. Yeah. No, I, I always like we work the funnel. Ideas come yeah. in, funnel one out. So, I love it, man. and that's the thing with Chavo. We have a board. If your new idea is anything better than what's on the board, then tell me which one to take out. So, because hmm. we could only handle so many good steel. You know, yeah, same sure. thing. 30 songs you're only going to put 12 on an album oh, yeah. Yeah, you may love all 30 but which 12 and that's what i keep telling you just put it out an album of b-sides that's all you just that, that. that's what we did yeah. for toxicity and uh steal this album we had 30 songs we released toxicity we're like what do we do with these uh, other 13 right. 14 songs that we love so please describe your room what your room looked like growing up oh of course i had uh i was in hollywood i uh originally we had remember we're immigrants so we were in a one-bedroom the whole family. And then when we moved into the same apartment, it was on North Kingsley Drive, which is the name of the band. Uh, We moved into the back apartment, which had two bedrooms and I got my own bedroom. And so every inch of the wall had something from a magazine, either Circus, Hit Parader, Rip Magazine. I had Kiss, Motley Crue, 
Queensryche, Slayer. I had everybody on my wall. So it was just like, a oh, and then, and then I got into skateboarding, of course. I, right. I was So I had skateboarding and music everywhere. Skateboards on the wall. When we moved, there was holes in the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was easy. It was a two-bedroom house in Hollywood. Shabo, not too far from Kingsley. There you go. Kingsley, on Kenmore. Kenmore, and, right there. Right yeah, there. I remember, like, we had one bathroom, three bedrooms, four kids. I remember I had to share, I had a shared bedroom with my brother. And it's one of those, like, you go up this little, for anyone that doesn't know Hollywood, like, you know, they, they took one of the attics and they made a bedroom in the attic. Yeah. One of the bedrooms, you know, what the roof would be like. Yeah, yeah, slanted, right? Yeah, if, if you, you couldn't stand up on the corner of the bedroom, you could only yeah, sleep perfect. there, you know? And then, uh, so I remember it had a little window, I and I had my guitar there, and I used to crawl up on the roof. Because I could open the window and go right out to the roof and and just kind of chill and play music and and I remember I had a little bit of a had a little hole you know that you could go into the other part of the attic which is a true attic so I had this little hole that I could open a little door and that's where I'd stash all my Playboy magazines and whatever we could. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we always had that hole. You know, that was, that was, that, I, so I went a little did. deeper than Playboy. I love it, man. Then <laughs> you know, there's no like you can't get your cell phone and get like yep. now these kids don't know how good they have it when they have a the cell phone. You had to get magazines and stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. We had to work hard to get the, the kids, Playboy yeah, magazines. The kids have it easy. No, it's it was my thing. Express on every block. Oh yeah, LA Express. Yeah, for sure. Oh, guys, right. Thank uh, you. really, really grateful for you guys spending your time with us. Uh, where you. can uh, people find out more about you guys individually, what you're up to and 22 Red? We do have all the socials. We have, uh, you can follow us on uh, at 22 Red LA uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and I think YouTube on that Facebook. I don't know if we have a Facebook. We're not running the Facebook just yet. Uh, you can follow Shavo Dajian to find everything on music and, uh, and other stuff. And you can are, you, are you DJing off. anywhere? Are you DJing? No, I haven't DJed for a while. Is that because of COVID or you just wanted to focus? No, no, I just, it's been years. I just kind of like, I have my records, everything in storage. I just don't have a place. My yeah, you don't want Chavo DJing at your party because it gets <laughs> off the hook. He does. I borrow my records. I used yeah. to spin at his house. Oh, oh, because at my house, I had a house in Hollywood Hills, literally yeah, above yeah. Franklin, like yeah. right by the above where the magic oh, that whole so one one year i threw a party with just a bunch of friends Chavo came we were spinning i mean it was bad they were still dancing at eight o'clock in the morning i'm like <laughs> that was going so. everybody right. in the world was calling me saying are you having another new year's party whatever and i'm like i'm not doing it because my it took me a month to clean up the house your house i'm gonna have my girlfriend come over so last second, they decided on New Year's Day to throw a party again. They're only going to have 20 people. And I heard it was so many people that thought the balcony was going to yeah, go down. Yeah, the balcony felt like it might fall. The police <laughs> yeah, came was to break up the party. The cars were just walking all the way down to Franklin, like for three miles. Just wow. the street was, tick, tick, tick. the cops couldn't get to the house to break up the party. That's how it was out of control. This is prior to system. It was like during system or before? It was like during like the, you guys, it was during. It was during system, so it was bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, guys, thank once you guys. again, thank you so Thanks, much for joining us. Last question this is my curious question. Do you guys speak Russian? Not me. Not me. 
No. Okay. I'm just curious because it was, used to be the Soviet Union. And no, we Armenians allowed to speak. nowadays, if you're Armenian, you probably like from there, you just for sure. You're speak. older. Like, yeah, we. Like you Shabo's dad would more like my right. dad. Would my my mom would. My mom. My mom knows. My dad. Yeah, more older people would speak Russian, but I was five years old when I came here. I mean, that was so, five. I was six. Yeah. yeah so that's why I, I, we lost it and. Yep. My parents obviously we speak we both speak Armenian pretty Armenian, fluently. Right. So yet so on Armenian. that answer, yeah, yeah. By the way, yeah. Len, uh, my favorite skater uh, who I stalked back in the day when I was a kid, his name was Nadas Kopas, and he's from Lithuania. Oh, Lithuanian, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's just delicious. Anyways, All right, thank you guys, All right, so guys. Thank so you. much. Appreciate thank you so time. much. Peace. Yes, Peace. Be well. Be well. Oh, that was cool, man. That was awesome, man. I love when we get musicians too. Just I like, know. I can talk to these guys for hours, man. I, just, I know. Uh, I felt, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough. I, to I saw them. the pressure, and I you were you were. I saw the look in your face, like, hurry up, hurry up. They got to no, go. No, no, it's all good. Go. I just I had her. Her publicist was you know texting me saying like they've oh, got a yeah. heart out, but they were enjoying themselves. So I mean, if they were miserable, they would have been like, oh, dude, I gotta go. So they were super yeah, into it. They would have bailed. Yeah, that was, I think they always like, say that just in case it's really boring. So they want if they want to get out, they, out. they can. They have an out. But no, not what everything is personal. Is everything is personal? It's oh, it's always fun. <laughs> That's my Chiba Chiba, y'all. I uh, love it, man. Shout out. I have some questions for you about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes. So I, I started seeing posts from all these people. Like I don't know why all of a sudden it started being that. Maybe somebody got snubbed. I have no idea. But uh, I started putting a list together of, of people who I think should be in, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame who are not. Mm -hmm. and I was shocked. I was shocked. When not, you told no. me this topic, I started researching and I was like, what? Me too. I couldn't yeah. believe it. So I, I, I kind of made my top 10 uh, list. And uh, then I have some always honorable mentions. Yeah, let's talk about this. You know, who the, knows what the politics is to get into that freaking thing. But it just seems criminal some of these cases yeah i want to make it i want i want this to be like in not not long because we can talk about it for hours yeah so i'll, I'll give try me your list it. you do your 10 and then i'll say if my 10 are ozzy <laughs> i mean it just what what the fuck how like how like that's how? crazy i have alice in chains mm -hmm. i have uh, rage against the machine <laughs> that one was on my list i can't believe that i have iron maiden uh-huh i have tom petty now that's like which criminal. I was I I really thought it like was is there rock. any more quintessential rock and roll person than Tom Petty like how many hit songs uh, does he have to write Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. Tribe. Yeah, sad. Charday. I mean, every I mean, every great sex and sexual encounter I ever had was had a soundtrack of Charday in the background. Still does. I still <laughs> put it on. I just I, say, I just don't have sex hey, anymore. Hey, but yeah, but. I, <laughs> Hey, Alexa, play some Chardet. She knows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Barry White or Chardet. I mean, come on. Exactly. Oh, she's speaking to me right now. She heard me. Uh-oh. Is that your, is that, is that oh, her she's sheet? playing it. She's playing it. She no, that's uh, Chardet. Oh, Alexa. Hey, hey Alexa. Alexa. Pause music. <laughs> she started playing Chardet. I was trying to get in the mood there with a little uh, sweet <laughs> taboo. You giving yeah. me, you giving me the sweetest taboo. Okay. Then I got LL Cool. Can you hear music in the background? No, I can't. Oh, I good. mean, I, I always hear a little bit of music in the background of my head, but 
uh, LL Cool J. Unbelievable. I mean, are, are there any rappers on this freaking, you know? There are. There, you know, I think, didn't, didn't Biggie Enemy. get inducted? Biggie got inducted. Uh, yeah, Public Enemy. Public Enemy. And, and Rick James. Rick James, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so now I have some honorable mentions, all right? And then I'll, then I'll be done with my list. Okay. Uh, uh, Motorhead. Uh, bad. Jet, Jethro, Jethro Tull. Okay. Joe Cocker. Now I can't hear music, by the way. Joe you Cocker can. is, uh, yeah, I mean, he's uh, seminal. Craftwork. That was on my list. And Craftwork. Tina Turner. Tina Turner. Oh. We were going to talk and about we're, Tina. Hold on. Uh, I'm, I'm going to. You, you I'm walk and tell Alexa, Alexa to shut the yeah. hell up because she oh. is out of line. <laughs> the oh, only oh, people I would add to that list that you have not Hold on one sec. I'll be right back. Yeah. I'm going to just talk to the audience. Uh, Glenn, Glenn has no idea what I'm going to talk about. Guys, I have Len prisoner. I'm being held prisoner. Please, if you can help, help. Len. But my captive is talking to Alexa. Please, please, let me escape. Oh, nothing. <laughs> I was just uh, talking to the listeners without you being there. Uh, anyway, to the next. No, the Smiths were not on that list. I mean, that's true. The Smiths were not. That's, that's your band. And Judas Priest my... was on it. Just it's weird. Coltrane is not on the Coltrane's list. Not John on? Coltrane. Outcast. Is not wow. there, and um, Joy Division. Joy Division is kind of, but New Order was yeah, not even New on the Order list. should be on. Uh, if you're not going to put Joy Division, at least put New Order and have some respect. Oh, and Pat Benatar, I was surprised. Yeah, I thought she was in too. That's we crazy. belong. All right. Jensen. Well, that there's a. I don't know. We have to. If you have a friend at the Hall of Fame, that must be the most thankless job to be the guy or the woman who is in charge of the Hall. Well, of I think fame. I think there's a lot of people who vote on it. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of uh, writers and uh, stuff. You can probably vote on it. Uh, the, I, I'd like you know. to. Devo is not on the list. That's I mean, crazy. Devo changed the game for sure. The Pixies. Anyway, I am. So I have I'm this other horrified. segment of samples. Yeah, uh, I want to see. I, I'm not sure how to do this. I have to DJ uh, this one a little I, bit. Yeah, I want you to DJ this. You ready to DJ? Yeah. The purpose of this um, segment mm -hmm. is to talk about the great samples, right, that have been used in. In records that we love. Yeah, and I wanted to start with some, like it's an obscure sample, but you'll recognize it immediately in a, in a current song. Okay. That's what I want to do. And then yeah. and then maybe a little bit more uh, popular songs uh, towards the end. Right. So I thought this was really obscure. The first one, L-A-B-I. Mm -hmm. And the last name is S, like in Sam, mm -hmm. I-F-F-R-E. Labi Sifra. Labi Sifra. I got the. I got the. Here we go. Oh my God. So 235. Do you hear that one? Can you hear it? Yes. You can hear that, right? Yeah. Get it to around 235. I mean. Oh, there it is. There I heard it. There it is. <laughs> my name is. My name, my is, name is. My name is. Slim Shady. Slim Shady. I had no idea. It's pretty good, right? It's so cool. I had no idea. 
you know, that's the kind of thing. So and that's, by the that's way, the first one thing. too, the first track that I play, like the first part of this, like this record is just filled with samples. This record has been used so many but I just want to make it. So this is the segment that I wanted to do. Now it makes sense, right? It makes sense. Like you cool. didn't, first of all, I always kind of thought that Slim Shady sample was just an original Dr. Dre right. thing. Um, I didn't realize he had sampled that. Okay. You ready for another one? Yeah. This is okay. fun. I'm going to play uh, a good one for you too. Let's do James Brown. And There's, I mean, got, every song. He's got a million of them, but this yeah. one is an interesting one. The song is called The Boss, and it's the one that he did for the Black Caesar soundtrack. One, two, get down. Paid the call to be the boss. There's already three songs from the sample right in the beginning. Yeah, just in the beginning. Yeah, just Nas, Get Down. Yep. Get Down. You can play that too if you want. Nas's Get Down? Yeah. Yeah, because so you can hear it. how it... Uh... Oh, I, I, I typed on Get Down and Get Down on it came on. But um... <laughs> That's a great song too. <laughs> that is a great song. There it is. Killers a walk like Pistol Pete and Pappy Mason gave the young boys admiration. Prince from Queens and Fritz from Harlem Street Legends. God, it's so fun. I I, I could do this forever. <laughs> this was the most fun. I, I was up till like almost three o'clock in the morning doing this because I couldn't get out. I was sucked into who sampled and it just it sucks you in. Can That's, I play uh, you one that I always yeah, kind play, of I mean please. a lot of people know this because it's 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 interesting how they how she speeded it up. I'm high like David Bennett, so I'm done to see. You come around here, I'll come around there. Easy to have some time, flipping down there. MIA? Isn't that cool? That's a Clash song. The Clash song. Really? And she, it's Clash, Straight to Hell, which is a great song. That's pretty cool. But it's cool. She she slowed it down a lot. That's also something interesting when the when the producer will sample, but they'll like slow it down or speed it up so you can barely recognize the sample. Anyway, I love that one. Um, that that was a pretty cool one, and a lot of people think MIA just came up with that. Yeah, I know. I know. All right, so let's do let's do this one because it's in it's in a bunch of uh, very well known songs. It's beat, B E A T, bop, B O P. Beat bop. Yeah, by by Ramili Z and K Rock. Okay. Get funky in the place. Get funky in the place. This pathetic dope addicts have to be abused. It's the same what a thing to be a prostitute. Life is given to us just to do the right thing. Instead of that, we came a whole ball with big dope feet. Make you feel real bad. Any, any idea? No, what's that one? Dean, right. Dean. So go to 834 of that track. Oh, 834. Oh, you know what? I don't even know if my version goes to an 834. I've just got All right. Play the Beastie Boys. Make him with a freak freak. <laughs> Can we just have you say that over and over again? 
making with the freak freak. Making with the freak freak. So the Beastie Boys used this sample in Jimmy James, and they used it in the in. Uh, uh, And they also yeah. use this song in Jimmy James and right. Shoot 'em Up by Cypress Hill. They love, they love, yeah. It's one of those. There it's, are certain, you, you go to what, who sample. sampled what, and you will find sometimes songs have been used like thousands of times, like Apache. Yeah. Um, exactly. Uh, but I wanted to find something obscure that's been used. So, so this song has been used by at least like five well-known uh, songs and artists. So, yeah, but it's an obscure song. You know what's an interesting one songs. that I just thought of while we're talking of this is um, uh, I, and it will be a little bit hard maybe for me to find it, but do you know do you know this sample? Um, so you know this song, right? Uh, hold on, I'll play it for you. Do you know this song? Yeah, sounds um, familiar. Well, and when it kicks in, the disco part will kick in soon. You know, this is yeah, a real yeah, yeah. classic uh, disco song. Yeah. Yes. More, 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 more. But what kind of shocked me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause here and go to 2:25. Let's see. Let's see if it kicks in here. Oh, you're gonna. This is gonna blow your mind. Oh this yeah. Is Len. This yeah, is Len. Len's song. This is Len. <laughs> it's Len. Steal my sunshine. <laughs> that was Steal My Sunshine, right? Yeah. Another one where I thought that uh, Len had come up with a really good uh break. Steal my Len, sunshine. Len yeah. does not it come took up the with Andrea anything. True connection more and more and more. I I know that's a good one. Um so what else you got here? I I love I have Harry J All Stars. Harry and J. it's All called Stars. Liquidator. You recognize that already? Yeah. Mr. Big Stuff. I know a place. So I'll take you there. I know. So they, so, they sampled so it. They sampled I thought it was an original. Yeah, so me I too. thought the staple fingers. I, I thought that they, I'll take you there, was original. It's not, but it's also been used in Salt and Pepper. Let's talk about sex, baby. Yep. Talk about, and then Big Daddy Kane. That's crazy. He did a song, I, I Take You There. But I always take thought I Take You There was an original song. I did not even realize. You, you're you blowing my mind right now. Liquidator. Um, They were, that was, like, this is a really old dub song, huh? Really old dub song, yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I don't even know if they ever got credit for that for I'll Take You There. Let's do a well-known one. Isaac Hayes. Yeah. Ike's Rap. Yeah, I love. That's one of my favorite um, samples ever. Um, Me too. I love that sample. And it's called Isaac Hayes's what? Which one? Um, Ike's Ike's Rap. Ike's Rap. Yeah. Two. Ike's Rap 2. 
Yeah, I love, I think I know what this is going to be. But and from I the Black Moses album released in 1971. 71. And it's been used, I mean, like 20 times. Now, is it right in the beginning? Or do you have to, do you have to go somewhere? Oh. Uh, it's, it's everywhere. You'll hear it. And I'll tell you a couple of songs to, uh, to play. I know you can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> He's just playing with it. See, we've known each other a long time. You hear the music behind it? Yeah. I guess right now you've got the last laugh. I know I abused you. I don't want this to be my last one, though. All right. Can I have one more? Yeah. All right. So this I song has been used it. in Portis Head, Glory yeah. Box. This is Alicia, Alicia uh, Cara mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. her hit song. Tricky used it, and oh, maybe yeah. like 10 other people. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's so a beautiful. I love I mean... It's such an amazing song. It's been used so many times. All right. One last one. This will be my last one. It is by the Charmels. C-H-A-R-M-E-L-S. Mm-hmm. As Long As I Got You from 1967. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> <That's all> I- <laughs> and, the, and the crazy part is it's just that little short section. That's why when it... Don't get the money, dollar dollar bill. The bill, y'all. That's why I wanted. To, that's why I wanted to end on that one because it's so obvious. Like in two seconds, you know. And, and yeah. Snoop used it, and like you have a whole list of. Uh, I mean, of it's one of the it. most. Yeah, but I mean, cream, C R E A M, cash rules everything, everything around, around me. Around cream, me. Get, cream the get the money, money. Dollar dollar bill, bill, y'all. That is a really good one. That's you. You hit some really. I don't. I don't know if. I mean. I. I could honestly. I could play this game, for. Um, we should do it again because I. I have Izzy Brothers. The like Cube used. I mean, the, this one actually what started the whole thing for me because I was listening to the song and I was like, wait a second, that's where he got the sample from. I had no idea that he got it from. A, it was a good day from Footsteps in the Dark. I know. Sometimes, I you, it, it, honestly, if you like, if if it's a song that you like that was recorded before 1995, and it was a rap, <laughs> then uh, you're you're in pretty good shape. Oh, you know what's a good one? I told Schoolie about this. Is the Susie and the Banshees? Oh yeah. I mean they they sampled him. Do you yeah. have any? Um, do you have any? Uh, have you heard? Yeah. You're gonna do it. I'm not gonna do a have you heard today. This is I'm I'm closing my eyes by the way because because when you do it like this and it comes up on my screen and I don't wanna know. I just I don't wanna know. Okay. All right, you ready for this? And but you should watch the video, so yo Mike T. Yo, what up, Ad Rock? We should call Chuck D on the phone right now and ask him what what goes on. The rapper shot down from the mouth that roared One, two, three, down for the count The result of my lyrics, so yes, no doubt Go rock rap, 49 and supreme Is what I choose and I use, I never lose to a team I can go solo like a Tyson Polo Make a flock girl wanna have my photo Run in the room, hanging on the wall And remembering 
DMC. Yep. So Public Enemy made the they made the original track. Tell, uh, the Sarasota, 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 Sarasota. You know so well. We're gonna have to get Chuck D on the show. Was a label with two turntables and a mic. MCs do what you like. 83 beats in a place to be. 84 rhyming to open doors. Death to the gentleman of who I am. Stand to the jump and the crack the floor. That's the greatest. It's got everybody on there, man. That's incredible. It's like a great it's like the uh we are the world of hip-hop well um, it's it's the def jam it's just missing uh just missing uh ll i think that's rounded out right it's just all these great def jam artists doing their thing that's yeah. so cool it's public enemy number one not o-n-e w-o-n number yeah. one it's great i love that they used a uh a boom bop beat too they didn't try to like do some sort of new trap beat or anything it's like nope. it's they 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 threw it back to the old days that was really good, yeah. man. Wow, that's a have you heard that I, I was not, I was not familiar with. I yeah, I was gonna send it, <laughs> I was gonna send it to you, but I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it in the show. Wow. Well, that was a good show. You know, we should do the have. Have you heard this sample? I'm gonna that. I could just do that all day. We. I'm gonna bring a few with me <laughs> next time, to to blow you and everybody listening's mind. Like that was Let's a sample. I, I love the sample thing. We should we should make this. Maybe it's a segment. Let's ask the audience if they're if they're interested. Maybe it's just you and I. Maybe it's just you and I geeking out, and the fact that we're extremely high right now. No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I wish I was. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was fun. Thank you, Len. Awesome, man. All right, appreciate it. Another Hi, great brother. episode. Yep. This is uh, Len and John signing out. Yeah. Peace. Exhale. Everything is personal.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one talk at a time.